You're watching the Tesla Life with your host, Mark Godland. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tesla Life number 256. Here we are on the first day of June. Can you believe it's June already? Wow. Fantastic. And, and, and a, a quick shout out to Lee Moon, who we sometimes forget in the uh, in the bumper uh, for his music that we use, not only at the end, but at the beginning, as you just heard. So uh, thanks again, Lee. Uh, yeah, so uh, welcome to the show. Got a bunch of uh, news stories that happened this week that we're going to go through. Uh, but first, joined by my co-hosts, we have uh, Patrick, who's joining us from the West Coast. How are you today, sir? Hello, I'm good. It's the first of the month, so I'm collecting all my battery degradation data and all my solar data to put it in my spreadsheets because I love spreadsheets. Print them out, use them as bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> He's a poet and he don't know it. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Al. I, I can't take credit for that one. I was going to break into the first of the month, but... Uh... <laughs> Good time. And speaking of that person, that's Mr. Casey Green joining us from the D.C. area. How are you today, sir? I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, it's a little bit warm today. Uh, Scraping at 90 Fahrenheit and uh, found a, a deal on the EcoFlow Delta kit at Costco. So if you're a Costco member and you need a, a battery backup, maybe some solar panels, portable. Mm. Not a sponsored at all. It's just like a really good deal. No, it's not uh, sponsored. Trust me. That's right. He doesn't even have YouTube yes. sponsors turned on, let alone getting some outside sponsors. Right, yes. Who's this show brought to you by? The three of us. The That's three of us. That's exactly. right. That's who it's brought to you by. Absolutely. Every week. Yes. 256 shows. It's sponsored by the three of us. Very good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> they said don't go. <laughs> So uh, what we're going to do uh, today, uh, kind of a special day for me, uh, is that uh, it's now been just over four years since I picked up my Model 3. And that was as of yesterday. Uh, four years Very ago cool. yesterday, I picked it up at the International Center in Mississauga, Ontario. Stood in line with, it felt like 500 people. picking theirs The up biggest well. mistake of your life, right? You regret it to this day. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm. Uh, that's why I'm involved in a podcast now for 256 episodes because it was the worst mistake I've ever made. Boy, am I a glutton for punishment! No, no, no. It's it's the best decision I ever made. Most fantastic car I've ever owned. Uh, it uh, obviously I've I've come off a warranty uh, that happened uh, about three and a half years into my four year warranty based on the number of kilometers traveled. I'm sitting around ninety four thousand kilometers over those four years. Um, so I can see Patrick working out the, uh, the yeah that's about sixty thousand miles. I'm just guessing. Uh... Yeah, it's about there. <laughs> uh, One point six uh, kilometers per mile. So. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride. Uh, had it uh, all this time. I've done numerous trips, uh, supercharging adventures uh, across the continent. One trip all the way across the continent, and um, yeah, it's it's been. I, I've had a couple of warranty issues. I've had a a, a headlight repaired or replaced uh, because a filament or something went out in one of the lights. I've had a door hinge uh, replaced. Uh, because it started to get squeaky. And um, beyond those two items, that's it for warranty, really. Um, I've had a, uh, I've had a uh, brake cleaning job since the uh, vehicle came out of warranty. Again, normal maintenance you have to do with any car. Uh, but um, that's really that the car has cost me windshield wiper fluid and the uh, one brake cleaning uh, in the four years that I've owned it. So uh, it's it's been very good maintenance-wise. Hasn't cost me much there. And, of course, with uh, $2 a liter fuel here in Canada currently, um, can't complain about uh, filling up that electron tank 
it, uh, right. it is a huge benefit uh, to be driving electric, especially over the past uh, three months. So uh, it, it was even good before that, but now it's just fantastic. Like it's just, it's such a huge difference. So, uh, right. Yeah. I first drove electric in 2007 and then we had the gas prices spike in 2008 and I was like, yeah, genius move. Woohoo. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So now everybody driving electric gets that same experience of, uh, gas prices have gone crazy and you're like, they have, Oh, <laughs> yeah, people start talking about gas prices. I'm like, is, is, is that high? And, um, <laughs> Not not lately, but 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 typically when they talk to me about gas prices, it's either they found an awesome deal or because the prices are ridiculously high. And, and right, right now, it's it's not hard to figure out why they're talking to you about gas prices. Yeah. Right, Absolutely. and yeah, you just don't have that day to day context to know if if it's it's okay. Did it just go up a quarter or down a quarter? I don't know. I don't care. Right, that part. <laughs> so not Mark, personally, you, anyway. You probably have to have your um, rear camera cable replaced at some point, right? Uh, yeah, I've uh, that loops into one of our stories today. But I've got a, uh, I've got the rear camera is uh, on a warranty call. Um, don't have to do anything yet because they don't have the parts yet. So, just waiting until uh, the, the parts come and and Tesla alerts me to that. So right, correct. Yeah, that is something I think they do that have will be few, covered. I think they do have a few parts, but they're keeping those for the ones that actually break instead of right. just replacing them. Um, you know preemptively like they would if they had could get if we weren't having this um shortage of everything <laughs> exactly and uh, in the comments uh derek ludwig is about to hit four years with his in august so his model three is coming up to the four-year anniversary as well congratulations derek would love to to hear about your experience as well maybe uh maybe we could do that sometime i, I want to say oh, that the, there's that the... there's some of it <laughs> So I want to say that the four-year-old uh, uh, Model 3 had a lot less issues than the four-year-old Fabergé egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot more to go wrong with an X than there is in a 3. That's for sure. There's a lot more automated systems, a lot more uh, things that uh, could need adjustment, definitely. Oh, his, I've been pretty that... lucky with both. We have a 3 and an X. And yeah. uh, I, I did have that coolant failure recently with the X, which was kind of a pain. Oh, yes. um, but... Um, other than that, just little things. They... There was uh, one one time one of the Falcon Wing doors wouldn't open, and uh, so mobile service just disconnected the twelve volt battery after trying it with a couple things, re uh, waited a little bit, reconnected it, and things worked fine. So that was right. the fix. <laughs> so, so with the coolant, you were you were it was the day before you were going into service. How much did they end up? Can I ask how much they ended up charging? Um, I think it was fourteen hundred um, when it was all said and done. But it was I had still a bunch lower of than stuff done while I was there. People, right? I don't know what uh, other people were paying for theirs. I don't know. Because okay, we were we were talking. Uh, I don't know if it was on the show or after the show. We were afraid that they'd try to hit you with a five thousand dollar bill. Oh yeah, and, and it's, it wasn't under warranty. Um, the batteries are warrantied, but this is the right. coolant system for the batteries, and that's not warranty. It Somehow it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, it's kind of, the batteries sort of need that, but yes. that, that argument didn't hold weight. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Derek, uh, if we can ask, what is the mileage on your Model 3? Interested to hear, interested to see that. Yeah, all of ours are, 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 are long boys. <laughs> Mine's pushing 100K, and uh, I'm sure yours are over that, aren't they, Patrick? No, um, uh -uh. I don't drive much at all. So uh, R3 only has uh, 19,000 miles on it, and my 2016X only has, let me look, uh, scroll, 45,000. Wow. 45,000 yeah. miles. Yeah. Okay. I, I, this is where I work. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I get a break, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> Man, that morning commute is a killer, I bet. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I don't work at Tesla because Musk just put the kibosh on working from home. Right, that part. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then he said, uh, when he said pretending to work, I was like, oh my goodness, right, this dude. Yeah, dialing you in. Well, okay, so this was directed at execs at Tesla. I mm -hmm. mean, they've got people that are there on the factory 40 plus hours a week. And then you have someone who's paid 200 plus plus stock options and getting the big bucks and they're going to phone it in. So I kind of see his point. Yeah, but but he he has a way of uh, presenting himself without considering his words first, and 
Well, there's no ambiguity in the message. <laughs> there, there is that. <laughs> Work is that. or walk. <laughs> well, there's that, but I mean, it doesn't mean that his people are lazy. I mean, even if you found the one that is lazy, it doesn't mean that the rest of them are. Among well, among other things, he just blurts out without consideration. We're off topic things, of Mark Derek, Star. Derek's just over 15,000 miles. Take him. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, enough of that. Uh, I I expect the Model 3 to keep going. I, I've got uh, hopes that this vehicle is going to be at least a 10-year vehicle for me. Um, so we will see if uh, I continue putting mileage on it as I have. Uh, that's pretty. That's a. That's more than the average uh, mileage on a on a vehicle in the in Canada or the United States. So we will see if I keep putting these miles on and what my adventures will be now that the vehicle is out of warranty completely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, not completely. Obviously, the battery, battery. pack still covered at this point. <laughs> but um, now that normal maintenance will come into play, uh, we'll have to see if it differs from a regular car or if uh, we see any difference. So we'll definitely be tracking that and reporting on that as time goes along. <clears throat> Next, um, wanted to touch on the story about Tesla reaching out to its Texas owners of Powerwall and uh, wanting them to be vocal about how the Powerwall uh, can be of benefit to the uh, ERCOT grid, E-R-C-O-T, uh, which is the Texas grid. Basically, there are, three Texas grids. Grid. there are three grids mm -hmm. in the U.S. There's a Texas and then there's an East and a West. But uh, right. the Texas grid uh, has, of course, seen issues uh, during last year with the ice storm. Uh, they've had some brownout uh, problems as well previous to that. Um, mm -hmm. But what Tesla is doing is they're trying to start to work their way in to the Texas grid in order for them to do a few different things. One of them, I believe, is going to be auto bidder. They're going to want to be involved in the uh, buying and selling of energy on that grid um, with the help of uh, people's power walls, uh, with the help maybe in the future of people's cars uh, as those million mile batteries start to come out. So I believe they're starting to get in the position uh, where they want to have that ability, similar to what they've done in Great Britain and some other European countries. So I believe that is the start uh, of that uh, operation now. And of course, they've done a couple of small scale tests in uh, Texas where they have monitored people with uh, power walls and they've shown how they can collect energy uh, when energy is cheap. And they have the ability, of course, to store that energy and then disperse it within microseconds when the grid requires it from others in the neighborhood. So that type of operation they've been working on uh, with some of their uh, uh, customers currently, but I think they're going to want to start moving into a larger test than that. And you can see that um, some of this has the overtones that they're looking for larger approvals, maybe to get, you know, not just a few dozen people involved with the program, but hundreds of thousands uh, to start to create that virtual power plant that we've heard about uh, previously uh, in some other areas of the country. So we'll have to see if the Tesla, I'm sorry, if the Texas uh, grid uh, group is more attuned to listening to what Tesla has to bring to the table because it could benefit them in a number of ways, or if they're going to be kind of like the Automotive uh, Dealers Association of Texas that are protective and want to put up a walled garden around what they have to offer uh, and not allow Tesla to come in and, and uh, innovate. So there's going to be some interesting uh, pieces of information and news that come out of this as time goes along. But uh, what do you guys think about this? Is that, uh, is that about surmise what you see happening in these first few bits of information coming out on this? It'd be smart to take them up on this, especially since their whole reason for having a Texas grid was uh, not to have the government looking over them, but that's the same crap their politicians say about how they want small government, and then they 
try to control you with their small government. <laughs> so we'll see how it actually plays out. But uh, given that they're very public failures several times over the last 10 years, they, they would be smart to accept this uh, free handout to, to, to make it look like they were partners in the situation of taking care of their customers and their constituents. Yeah, the Texas grid has been the most fragile one in the U.S., and it's had failures in the winter and in the summer. Twice, so, <laughs> recently. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they, they've got to do something, and um, this doesn't cost them any infrastructure or other things that could bite into their profits, which is what they were going after, why they were making it not weather-resistant in the first place, and so they could squeeze every penny of profit out of it at the... Um, expense of reliability for their customers mm -hmm. uh, this allows them to improve their reliability without a big upfront cost so they would be stupid in my opinion not to do it um i i so i, I participate in my local utilities virtual power plant and the cool thing is they they pay us um 20 bucks a month every month whether or not they use it and um, that's a pretty sweet deal and um, Massachusetts has one that's even better than that. They, they, I don't remember how much they got paid, but it was like 500 bucks a year. So uh, an even better deal. So uh, it, it's, it doesn't look like the uh, people that participate in this are going to get anything more than the $40 gift certificate for Tesla. But uh, that's okay. If, if um, I mean, like right now, as we speak, my house is running on batteries. And even though the sun is shining, that sun is going into the grid. Why? Because this is peak hours. We're at peak from 10, 3 to 6. So this at my local time zone, it's 4 o'clock right now. So um, that means that I'm running on battery power and feeding the grid during peak while everybody's running their air conditioners. It's a hot day. I'd be running my AC, except it's busted. <laughs> so we're getting that fixed this week. And so I'm a little, little sweaty here. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, yeah, it's just if you want to help make the grid greener and, and during peak is when they're most likely to run peaker generation. And that's the dirtiest stuff that we have on the grid. So I'm more than happy to send my solar into the grid during peak hours if that means they're not going to run some diesel generator somewhere. Why? Because I want a future free from fossil fuels. <laughs> you knew he was going to work it into it somehow. <laughs> And he got it in early. Congratulations, Patrick. Gets it there in there right away. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's an evolving story, and Tesla's going to be doing this everywhere. Like, this is not going to be yep. ending with Texas. It's going to be wherever they have the opportunity uh, to bring this online. And if and when, uh, most likely when, the million-mile battery comes out, I think there's going to be a huge push on this because they're going to basically, anyone with a car is going to have a vehicle that is, in a sense, six or more power walls sitting in their driveway, just ready to be used. Uh, so that type of uh, power is going to be extremely useful to the utilities, especially if it's three or four years down the road when the number of Teslas sold in North America has also gone up a number of fold times. So mm -hmm. the, the app hackers have found some new um, assets uh, regarding charging from and charging the grid, and they suspect that uh, it could be vehicle to grid. And, and Musk didn't turn that down when he was talking about the 4680 cars. And we already know the Cybertruck has power export. Right. Yeah, so. it's no surprise. Customers have been asking for this for a long time. And like Mark said, it doesn't make sense until we get a more robust battery. Uh Right now, if, if you have degradation every month and it reduces your range, you don't want to be right. supplying the grid uh, on a daily basis. That's just going to hurt your uh, range. But uh, once once we have a 100-year battery, go for it. Yep. Although I would like the option to, to do my house, you know, get, get two power walls and then just run the rest of the car. But uh, they would rather me buy 10 power walls. So. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So we will keep an eye on that, and I sure, I'm sure news will continue to flow on that front. Another note: uh, Tesla uh, in 2021, as we've known, there's been major supply issues for Tesla. But beyond Tesla, the other automakers have really suffered. A number mm -hmm. of uh, plants have even shut down, lines, plants. There's been a whole bunch of issues when it comes to parts and producing vehicles. 
And over the period of 2021, uh, Tesla, who has scrambled certainly a lot more than some of these other traditional automakers, have managed to push out vehicles uh, almost uh, at uh, record pace. Uh, until recently, they have been on record pace still. But um, what, uh, what this report uh, from Fortune 500 listing shows is that Tesla over the, the period of 2021 has moved up 35 basis points in the list uh, for profitable com companies. So it's, uh, it's now moved into a 65th position on the list of 500 companies. And uh, just in 2021, they, they jumped by, by 35 uh, places. Mm -hmm. So uh, they, uh, they are, are still, as, as we mentioned, they are able to zig and zag to get these things done so that they actually have the product to, to build the product. So they're getting supplies. If they don't have a certain supply, they're scrambling to get it from somebody else or to put something else in the vehicle that will suffice and allow them to sell the vehicle uh, while you know, not sacrificing what the vehicle is. So uh, there has been uh, this type of zig and zag that they've been doing, I would say for the past two years, uh, there's been things yeah. that have popped up all over the place. So they continue to do that and they continue to amaze because their productivity is still at record pace or beyond. So uh, that uh, that's part of the reason uh, that they've moved up in these rankings, uh, which is not a big surprise. Right. Yeah. So uh, this is the beauty of being vertically integrated. You are not slave to one supplier and their solution. And if they're stuck, you have not, no, nothing you can do about it. Instead, um, if you have multiple suppliers, you have you can go find new chips to meet that. And that, if that means you have to write new code, you have software programmers to do that because you're not just depending on some supplier that you've outsourced everything to. This this Fortune 500 list, um, not to be confused with the S&P 500, this is a, a people love list. So Fortune has this list and it's based on revenue. So Tesla's now number 65. And that got me wondering who is uh, on the rest of the list. Um, so the, the top 10, I looked it up. It's Walmart, Amazon, Apple, CVS Health, United Health Group, Exxon Mobil, boo, Berkshire Hathaway, boo, uh, Alphabet. Uh, and then the last two are McKinson and Amerisource Bergen, which are both, uh, I'm going to say boo to them too. They're both uh, drug suppliers that were implicated in the opioid crisis. So uh, top top 10, I, there's, there's a few that I would like to see drop uh, off, the off the list completely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to see Tesla moving up. It's uh, and it's definitely it's moving up uh, quickly. So we'll have to see. 2022 is experiencing the same problems as 2021. Um, so uh, you know, at this point, we're not seeing a a stop to supply chain issues. Uh, we're in fact in, in several places we're seeing acceleration in it. So uh, we'll have to see if uh, Tesla's zig and zag can continue through 2022 and what this list looks like next year. Right. Also, uh, here's a here's a story I thought I'd bring uh, to the group because of uh, how it has involved Tesla, the other auto manufacturers, as well as environmental groups, are all working in tandem. And uh, this is not in Europe where environmental groups seem to be against Tesla. And recently, when an environmental group in Texas was against Tesla. But this one, they're all working together. And what they're doing is they're petitioning uh, the Biden administration about charging infrastructure for medium and heavy duty trucking. They're, they're looking to some of this infrastructure bill that was uh, passed. Uh, they're looking to carve out some allocation of that in order to build specific chargers and charging infrastructure for the medium and heavy duty trucking industry. They wanna see the placement of uh, these uh, particular uh, charging spots uh, connected to interstates and trucking routes. They're looking to have uh, the Biden administration do some work on what would be best uh, for placement, uh, consult with the trucking industry, figure out what type of truck traffic are on certain routes, what routes should be maybe covered first. 
uh, what the what uh, the distances uh, between chargers, all those type of things that the early superchargers uh, that Tesla first installed, uh, they did a lot of work trying to figure out how they were going to cover uh, the routes with their first superchargers. So how they did it between uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco to start with, and then the continuing up I-5 uh, into Oregon and into Washington. Uh, this is the beginnings of that, trying to see how they're going to handle it. Because there was a huge chunk of change that was allocated to charging infrastructure uh, for the uh, EVs that was passed in that bill uh, recently, that uh, they want to make sure that the allocation is there for the transportation industry because a number of these companies believe, as Tesla does, uh, that uh, the trucking industry is the next uh, to fall to electrification. How about, how about a couple of minds with this one? Uh, one, they're for profit. They can pay for it themselves. Two, uh, everything in America comes on a truck, so it would be nice to, to give them an incentive to, to do the right thing. Uh, three, uh, the way stations and rest stops typically are owned by the state or the federal government, so yeah, they would need assistance getting stations there because they, they do have a limited amount of time that they can operate uh, actively. And so the amount of downtime, uh, if you can reduce that, that would be good. And if the only way to do that is to be where they are, where you force them to stop for a way station or they're already stopped for the bathroom, then perhaps they can get their charge and their and their 30-minute break there rather than uh, having to do multiple drivers because we're in a shortage, so we can't have like three guys in one truck to, to get this thing down the road. Yeah. Oh, a mixed bag for me. But, but but this this infrastructure bill was already passed with money allocated to charging already. So oh, that was that was the other thing I was going to say is that you know since they've already got money and they are EVs, yeah. it's not going to cost us anything. Um, so I, I don't I don't I'm not really opposed to flicking a little off to the side because at this point you've got superchargers, you've got Electrify America, so so you've you've got enough basic coverage for the passenger cars and we have zero for the trucks. Right. So the, the big thing I think that the government can help with here is standardizing. That part. Um, yeah. So um, we have this problem in the U.S. where Tesla is different from everybody else. And this was the same problem that the earlier generation of EVs had where GM was using induction paddles and Ford was using conductive, even though they both um, met the same uh, J1772 standard there was no connector standardized as part of that, just the electrical loads. And so now we have a much more robust standard for vehicles, although that didn't come out in time for Tesla when they started the, uh, the Roadster is different from the, the Model S and everything after that. So uh, it'd be nice if they could get that figured out for trucking before the vehicles are, are out there in, in big numbers where some of them use a different standard. And we have the same problem that Nissan has with Chatamo today. Uh, eventually those stations are going to go away and then the, the the few leafs that are left are going to you know be out of luck or have to maybe find some adapter or some or or just live with level two uh so yeah there's i, I really hope that this gets figured out that's a good point right there is right now uh of the of the ev trucks we see out there uh like the eth cascadia and a bunch of the uh, class sixes they're using uh class fives even they're using uh, CCS, but sometimes you have multiple CCS ports side by side, like you find on a ship. Uh, the ships will do that for a reason because they can actually uh, <laughs> handle that kind of load, uh, but the truck is just doing it to speed up the charging. And um, then you've got the Tesla side of it again, where it wasn't out in time, so they invented their own connector, but they won't let us see. But uh, we've seen a handful of spy shots of it. Uh, maybe they could find something a little more robust than CCS that only works on trucks, or they can all just agree to use CCS and how they want to do the, the multiple uh, plugs. Because if you get there and you know you can take up to four for, for, for a long-haul truck with dual, dual trailers, uh, that would be nice to know that, hey, there's going to be four, there's going to be this many kilowatts, and I'm be in and out of here before my break is over. Uh, or uh, if they'll have the custom plug that will do it, which... Uh, that, that that sort of thing will help logistics because when you buy these things, they, they can they can last for over 20 years. Right. And I would take, like to see yeah. them uh, do a small test market, figure out, oh, you know what? All these spots really do need to be pulled through. Duh. You know, I mean, just there's going to be little things like that where they make mistakes. And hopefully not that one. That one's pretty obvious. But you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, like not timing it with breaks, not having it in spots where they can have amenities or maybe take a shower or a nap or get a meal or whatever. 
and uh, so those are the kinds of things that if you do a small test, you have some learnings from that, then you grow it, and then you double it, and then you figure out what mistakes happen at that scale, and you learn from those again. That's what I think a, a government could help with. Absolutely, yep. So we shall see as that uh, moves along, because we're just at the very beginning of that. So uh, the yeah. trucking industry is just starting, and uh, there'll definitely be more information on that story as time goes along. Next, uh, we've got one that Casey's going to handle, and this is about FSD maybe doing some seesawing as it relates to software. Kind of a this is an opt-ed piece uh, where someone with FSD beta was was trying to explain the seesaw effect that they see. Oh, I didn't fully read the article. I skimmed it. So for me, um, <laughs> I skimmed it this weekend. Um, I don't really seem to, to, to have this effect. I, I can say that, that I have seen it in other vendors' products, like where you know major release is, is bad, but the patches for the major release are good. And then uh, I'm not really seeing that with, with Tesla. Like for me, they're, they, they'll have a string of good ones and then you know one or two bad ones, and then they'll keep on going where they... And, and bad is, is usually just an annoyance, not that they ruined my car in some way, except for the, the one time that the air conditioner went out. Uh, in the helicopter windshield, 100 degree heat, and the black car. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they fixed that There's one within two days. Disaster. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It well, was. well, Casey, you've, you've actually explained this a, a, a few times in your uh, 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 speaking about FSD beta. And what uh, what they were saying is that is that they'll go a couple of uh, releases in a row where things will improve. And then maybe the third one, they'll find that the road that they've taken previously and the turns that they've taken previously all of a sudden doesn't work properly. Uh, right. The car does something else. And and their expl explanation, which, of course, we're all on the outside. We don't know what they're actually doing. Yeah. But uh, their explanation was, is it possible that someone else's fix that was sent in to fix a problem in some other city with some other driver has somehow affected the intersection that used to work fine in their vehicle for the previous two versions. And now when the fix yeah. has gone in for that other person, now my intersection is having an issue that it didn't have before. And that certainly is a possibility because I, I see that all the time. Like uh, this this last version that just came out, 20, uh, not 2020, um, FSC beta 10.12.2, uh, I've only driven it once and the first day is always the worst. Uh, it's it was a significant de de departure from the almost perfect uh, ten point eleven point two that I was running, uh, but again that was just one day and two trips. So I'm gonna get out there again later and, and see how it behaves. Uh, for some reason, mine like this is rather consistent. Like the first day, it'll usually not perform the way it does the rest of the time. And if you let it sit overnight, it it behaves like it will until the next update. Uh, other times, it's the same way all the way through. It's just good, but. Uh, I don't want to say it's bad right now, but uh, it, it does seem that way sometimes to me, like where there are things that, that, that were working that are no longer working, but I don't, I don't want to say that it's necessarily a, a seesaw as much as it is, you know, the black box of the neural nets. Like, you know, you give it uh, 180,000 new pictures like they did this last one to, to study and it might come to different conclusions, whether or not it was fixing somebody else or not. They might all be worse, except that I'm hearing from the uh, safest drivers that, Oh, I never have to touch the controls. Uh, <laughs> Not in my area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wonder I, if the I often wonder if the safest drivers are all driving in uh, you know San Francisco Bay Area, which right. of course, uh, <laughs> is is heavily covered uh, because of course uh, of the people that are uh, own the company or management of the company in that area. Right. <laughs> Every city is going to have to build out like a like a uh, California city for this to work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elon did say that Canada streets are different than U.S. streets somehow. <laughs> yeah. And then so, remember, we sat here and we, we brainstormed. The only thing we come up with is the, that they have KM everywhere. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I, I've driven on both, and I can tell you that they're not a whole lot different. <laughs> <laughs> not to your neural network. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you have uh, a, a good adaptability skills. So, so uh, I did read this article. It, it's by Zach Shahan. I like Zach. I've actually published a couple articles on Clean Technica, but he doesn't really seem to understand neural networks. Uh, he doesn't understand AI. It, it um, just going off. I mean, I'm not trying to diss on him. Um, it's it's but, abstract, and it's, might, it's not necessarily his, his field of expertise. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of spots where he's talking about, oh, if they program for this case, um, it doesn't mean it's going to work for that case. Well, well, it's a neural net. They're they're training. They're not programming. Yeah. And um, the, the example that you just mentioned, Casey, where if they're trying to optimize for a certain thing, they're going to be doing that because they've gotten a lot of reports that that's not working well. So that's their new target area. They're going to change the training set. They're going to add a lot more to it. And then that's going to give you different results. So you often get a case of um, two steps forward, one step back. And so it might break some other case, uh, but overall the network is going to work better. That doesn't mean for you in your place, it's going to work better. Uh, so Tesla gets the data from the entire fleet, right? And so, right. so they know where the biggest problems are. They know what needs to be fixed to make the whole thing better. And then they'll keep iterating. So every every time, every release, they're uh, getting feedback on what's not working well. They're adding training data for that. Um, we just uh, got, uh, it can detect open doors on cars. That's great. If you're driving, you absolutely need to know if the door is open or you can't just, you know, have a box around the car and ignore the door and take it off. Uh, right. No. <laughs> so, also to yeah. know that, you know, if the door is open, somebody's likely to pop out of the car or, exactly. or be near it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Human nearby. <laughs> yes. Um, so cool. to, to your point about the neural nets and the training, uh, I think it was Holmar. Somebody pointed out that um, you're looking at billions of miles uh added per training session so every two weeks they're going through like what what could not could be if not the largest one of the largest uh neural net training scenarios in the world uh yeah they're doing this week after week which is unprecedented right which is why they had to build dojo just so right. they can ingest all of that it's it's a massive amount of training data and the hardest thing is uh, now after you get some results of that being able to pare that down to fit on the inference engines in the in the vehicle yeah. I would not be surprised if if there's yet more hardware upgrades coming. Well, there's that, but there's also uh, uh, optimizations on the existing hardware. Like they this this time around, they improved the the uh, perception by two frames per second uh, per camera. So it's seeing sixteen more frames per second around the whole vehicle. Uh, there's a there's a turn into my house, and uh, the car used to stop and think about it, and then go, and then stop and think about the next turn, and then go, and then jump the speed bump. Now it's a zip, zip, and then try to jump the speed bump. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to slow down. I've had the same. There's. It only happens in one spot on my drive where it turns the corner, and then it slows way down. And it's like, it turned the corner, and then went, where am I? Oh, right. okay, now I'll go. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. It, it's like when you walk through a door and go, what did I come in here for? That seemed to be the what the car was doing on this one turn. <laughs> <laughs> So your car has senior moments, is what you're saying. <laughs> All of them do, yeah. Aki Day says rumors they're working on chip number five. Uh, I know he's making a joke yep. about Johnny Five. However, uh, that we do know that that computer four is is underway, and it's probably something they're going to discuss at Autonomy Day uh, in was that August or June? I thought it was August, but yes, August nineteenth. Yeah, we should get an update uh, for their FSD hardware. That would be cool. Well, I, I imagine that uh, uh, four is going in the Cybertruck. Yeah, definitely, because uh, we saw with the, the, the new cameras for four, uh, Panasonic, Panasonic, or Samsung, Samsung was bragging about Samsung. Yeah. Uh, about about the contract they got with the leading manufacturer of EVs, <laughs> and like everything they were describing was Tesla without calling out Tesla, the, the same way that, that Hyundai should have done with their Apple deals, they wanted to keep it. Uh, right. Yeah. And um, and so so the, the, the way that it was described was, uh, you're going to need a new computer for that, and, and, and Elon already told us at AI Day Original that... Uh, that, that, that it was underway, but there was no indication given as far as how far along they are or yeah. where it would be. But if they're going to need new cameras that need a new chip, it's probably going to be in the Cybertruck because yeah. they said pickup truck on the cameras. Right. Next, let's head over to Gigafactory Shanghai in case you've got a story for us there. Okay, so Giga Shanghai, they, uh, we, we talked about this last week. They, uh, they were operating in closed loop. Uh, they had added second shifts in, uh, in Berlin and Fremont, and I think that Texas was starting to, or they were talking about it if they didn't already add it in Texas. Well, yeah, uh, yeah so, so Shanghai had a second shift added, and so they're now at 95% of their original uh, capacity before the lockdowns, and, uh, and they're using old military... Uh, no, no, it's 70% to their old capacity. The 95% was that 
they're now at 95% of locally sourced parts. Oh, okay. Oh. That is cool. A oh, localization rate is 95%. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm tracking now. So they're at 70% of where they used to be. And, and now they're using stuff from China, which is really cool because like we were saying earlier, you want to you you vertically integrate because uh, back when Tesla started this, they, they were the small fry. And so people would joke at them and, and give them uh, the back burner, third shifts, B team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now they don't need to do that. Because you know they they they're now big enough that these groups were like, oh, let's get their order done first before we get uh, you know Lucid's orders done. But uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably a, a good good habit to be stuck in that they're doing this. And so uh, if something happens worldwide, uh, each of these gigafactories will be able to operate within their own sphere, which is and when right. Shanghai started up, they were under forty percent. Yeah, everything's been shipped in, yeah. So it was all being shipped in, a lot of it from Fremont. Uh, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. they had, uh, of course, made the uh, assertion that we would be vertically integrating this Gigafactory from the others as well. And it would become uh, something that could stand on its own. And, of course, that gives them the flexibility that not only do you have plants in different regions of the world, but those plants are independent. And those plants yes. can source locally from around them and, in theory, and in practice, uh, actually perform better because the distances are shorter for suppliers to get them in the uh, product they need to push out cars. Right, and and that's one of the things that Elon kept harping on when before he quit the uh, the quit the uh, conference calls is, <laughs> you know, he kept talking about the force majeure, force majeure. It's like if if any one thing took out Fremont, it doesn't matter that the other plants exist; <laughs> they would be down. And so now mm-hmm. uh, they're only five percent down. If 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 something takes out Fremont, like an earthquake. Uh, uh, illness or, or, or whatever, and, and Fremont goes down for a week, they don't lose a whole week of production if they do this right. But the, the, the benefit of them all running on the same plan with the same parts, uh, essentially, is, is that if something does happen, uh, where Fremont might have been supplying um, back and forth with, with Nevada, uh, you can now do that from Texas, you can do it from China if you have to, but you do that one last because of, of costs, uh, you can do it with Germany now. Yeah. yeah, the longer your supply routes are, the more likely they are to have problems. That's simple math. <laughs> if it's right next door, okay, well then, you know, uh, some force majeure across the world is not going to cause a problem with that. And that's why your iPhone uh, is, is made all in China. It's, it's and, and why they wouldn't save much money by bringing it to the States if they could. Uh, because if they move the assembly uh, plant over, the, then you still got the guys who make the screws, the people who do the board finishing, uh, the, the battery testing. The, it's all just in time, Toyota style, and they all, all the parts arrive right when they're needed. And uh, so this actually helps them out by being able to do that locally rather than from across the world. Because just in time, when there's a, there's a ship wedged in the canal the wrong direction, it'll make a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, has, yeah, just in time, it becomes way too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I wonder what the last five percent is. So they started at forty last year; they were at ninety. This year they're at ninety-five. What's the last five percent that's not made local yeah, around I Shanghai? I don't know what SD boards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and is there a business opportunity there? <laughs> if you're in Shanghai, find out what it is. <laughs> you might be able to get tell Tesla some parts. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Uh, next story is a uh, just an update, uh, and it's kind of surprising. Uh, Tesla has uh, updated uh, its uh, weather data for yes. range estimates. So they're now looking at more detailed weather information, uh, I assume, uh, from the Internet, from where the car is, uh, its location. And they're, they're routing that information into the car's estimate of range and how much charge it'll have when it rides at the next supercharger, which I think the three of us had already agreed was pretty accurate already. It was um, very accurate, yeah. On our travels. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it looks like... Uh, as long as you, you weren't know, towing. The, the, march, the march of nines right. continues, uh, yeah. looking for yeah. other ways uh, to increase its... Uh, its ability to be a little bit more precise than what it is. So uh, nice to see that they're, you know, Tesla always seems to be working on many different fronts. They, they don't seem to, to give up on things. They just quietly work on them in the background. If they can come up with an efficiency, even if it's small like this, they're going to implement it. Yep. And, and, yeah. and the way and this roll it out to everybody, not just everybody. next year's cars. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way they describe this, it makes it sound like, oh, you know, they've just got more accurate in their calculations because they already were tracking in um, uh, uh, elevation 
and average speed you would travel, what your AC was set to. But now they're tracking um, humidity, the wind. Uh, but but it's, it's not just an internal A, it's more accurate. If you start traveling into a headwind, and the same way that if you're traveling too fast and the car says, oh, you might want to break it down to 85 if you plan to make it there. Uh, now it says, hey, uh, this range estimate includes a 10-mile-an-hour headwind, or, or at least you're traveling into a headwind. I forget the, the exact verbiage of the screenshot oh, I saw. Cool. So they let you know, hey, this is why, uh, like in the case of, of me um, at Thanksgiving before, on the, on the trip where I wasn't cutting the line, uh, <laughs> I was running in a headwind, and, uh, and it was in the cold, and the car kept saying, oh, you're not, not going to make it. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll make it. And uh, then, I, then I hit club static, and I, and, I, and I rolled in to the last supercharger at zero three times. Uh, <laughs> because, yes, yes, because the, um, the weather report um, that I read on the way out the door had, uh, had, had become invalid. The temperature dropped 30 degrees from what they had anticipated and, and the headwind. So uh, I would have got a message saying, hey, we know you think you can make this, but uh, had you considered this new wind data? And I would have stopped and uh, and charged because when it's frozen out, uh, you don't and, and and then you're below the charge level, and the car doesn't know where you're going. You you don't get the uh, the preconditioning, and so uh, I ended oh. up costing myself a lot more time doing that <laughs> in the winter time. Yeah, but if you were at zero, you couldn't afford the electrons to to preach to uh, condition. <laughs> this is true as well. This is true as well. Yeah, zero is yeah. not a lot of margin. So the only time that um, I've had it not be really great is when we had the bikes on the back. Yeah, towing for and, me. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, although when you have it in towing mode, it should know you're towing and it should be able to recalculate. Uh, oh, it was better than I expected, but it was, I mean, I guess it doesn't know what you're towing. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So yeah, now they need the camera to look at what you're towing, have yeah. some AI involved, figure it out. We, after your first mile, recalculate. <laughs> well, uh, comments like, hey, get an aerodynamic trailer next right, time because you're towing a brick. <laughs> yes. Uh, allegedly, App Ford... giving you ads for more aerodynamic right. trailers. <laughs> uh, allegedly, Ford will use AI, um, but but it's, it's, for the Ford uh, Lightning, it's not just AI like they want you to think. You have to manually say, hey, this is how long my trailer is. Uh, it'll it'll do some some weighing, but you got to kind of start it out. Say, hey, it's a five thousand pound trailer, and it'll oh, it's really five thousand two hundred pounds, buddy. And it'll, and, uh, and and they'll look at other people who've towed something with the same parameters as you, and they'll do a little AI that way. But uh, I think that with Tesla being a technology company, they could probably do this all automatically and, and do a better yeah. job of it than having to rely on you punching numbers in on the screen. Yeah, and Our some first... of that may come into play when the Cybertruck is launched, right? Because there's ah. going to be a lot more people towing when that yeah. comes, right? And they could they could totally shortcut with what they, whatever they've learned internally with the with the uh, semi and definitely everybody towing with the uh, Model X and Model Y, right? And European Model Three. <laughs> uh, this uh, this next story from uh, Teslamanian uh, was a uh, kind of a, a note. It was talking about the in- Indonesian story that we spoke about last week. How okay. Tesla has gone to Indonesia has has met with the prime minister. Talking about uh, the mineral of uh, nickel, which uh, Indonesia has quite a bit of, but they've locked it in. They want people to do some processing of those of that raw material into battery packs, so they get the benefit of jobs and other things uh, as mm-hmm. that uh, raw material is turned into something that can be used in electric vehicles. So this article uh, just was kind of outlining how the others in the auto industry are just buying off the shelf. They're not looking at a complete solution. Uh, they're, what they're doing is saying, we're just gonna sign a deal with uh, LG or you know, uh, cattle or whoever, maybe with a couple of them, and just uh, require that they supply us X amount of batteries per year. And uh, that's all we have to worry about. But Tesla knows that, and they've explained this to us, that there is a number of different raw materials that these batteries use, such as nickel, uh, that uh, is uh, constrained uh, and mm-hmm. uh, continues to be constrained. And they know that these other battery manufacturers can only make it if they have all the parts, the suppliers, to make the actual battery. If there is something that's even one component of that battery uh, is not available or is constrained, they can't get enough of, that means that that battery's not going to be made. So Tesla is out ahead of the game 
looking to lock up deals with different minerals, different different uh, pieces of that battery that they know are currently or are going to be constrained and getting that ahead of game and locking that up, such as the Indonesian deal that we've spoken about. They are talking to a government here where they can say, listen, we need X amount of nickel. Yes, you want us to make the batteries in your country? All right, we'll do that for this. They're trading back and forth just so they can lock up that supply and know that they can have that supply of nickel for X amount of batteries that they require to put in vehicles. We saw this with the purchase of a, of a mine in, uh, uh, where was it, South Pacific, uh, a French island uh, that is one of the largest nickel suppliers uh, in the world per capita. And, uh, and we've seen it where they have uh, made deals with um, mining companies in Ontario, in uh, Minnesota. Uh, there's different groups uh, that they're making deals with because they're trying to lock up supply because they know they're going to need these raw materials in order to push out the battery, batteries on the scale that they're selling cars or expect to sell cars in the future. So very wise decision. Uh, and a lot of the other EV manufacturers are not playing that game at all because one, right. the volumes aren't all that big to begin with. Mm-hmm. And two, they're not thinking long game. They're just thinking... Let's get by the quarter. Let's get yep, by yes. the quarter. <laughs> and, and, and it's something that, that has not come to them. But as we spoke about in an early story today, Tesla's doing this zig and zag, trying to mm-hmm. pick up these extra sales, trying to sell these extra vehicles, trying to produce these extra vehicles because they know that every vehicle matters uh, to them, yep. uh, whereas right. some of these others are just not participating in that same way. And even the ones that are somewhat aware and, and, and realize they need to think somewhat past the next quarter, uh, they, they still just buy parts and put them together. They make the frame and they make the engine, uh, but a lot of them don't even make their electric motors. So um, they're learning that, hey, you know, we should probably make more of this if we don't want to be affected by it. But they're, they're, their thinking still isn't spread out to the point where the company is actually able to act on, on those handful of individuals that get it. Right. Yeah. It, it takes a big investment to do that. And right now they're, uh, just trying to start making EVs, so right. they, they we make we make cars. We don't. What do we What do we need right. raw ore for? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We we didn't mine steel. Uh, you know, yeah. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing when when you consider like Ford did did actually you know they had their own timber, their own rubber. The rubber mm. apparently didn't work, uh, but they 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 were trying to do what what Elon is trying to do now, where they would you know raw materials in one side, Model T's out the other side. Now this next story, Patrick, have you seen this about the uh, the app being updated uh, about alerts uh, for um, uh, alerts for uh, recalls? Did you see yes, that story? I did. In fact, uh, I I saw the story and then I went and updated my app. And uh, so the the mobile Tesla's app now includes recall information about your vehicle, and that's uh, when I I why I mentioned that. Uh, the 2017 through 2020 Model 3s all need this rear harness uh, recall. And um, like, like we mentioned, it's not something that you have to have done immediately. If it if it's broken, you go get it fixed. And eventually, Tesla will send out repair for all of them. But uh, yeah, um, our 2018 Model 3 needs this same one. If you want to check yours, get the latest app, uh, go under service, and then you can see active recalls. Uh, I was curious, since there have been a bunch of software recalls, if those were going to be listed there, and they're not. They just push out this, so they don't treat them. I mean, you you still get, if you're required to, by law, you get notified that that recall has uh, uh, impacted you. I'm not sure why they make them sometimes even mail out letters to say you got a software update three weeks ago, and you don't need to worry about this anymore. But uh, now there's one more spot where you can uh, check and make sure to see if you need to be uh going to service center scheduling service um you can always go into the app and check now where before in the past you had to go to a website and plunk in your vin number this is just so much more convenient yeah there was a update a few few weeks ago that uh where um my car actually pulled in the codes from the mcu screen and put them in there i was like well why don't they do recalls this way apparently it was in the works (laughs) yeah this is just another thing like you mentioned mark tesla's always innovating making things a little better a little smarter on multiple fronts. 
Absolutely. Different teams working on different uh, solutions. So uh, right. glad to see it. Um, this was kind of an interesting story as well. There, there is a group out there that uh, keeps track of superchargers visited. Uh, I don't think it's the scientific uh, number, but I, I think there's a number of different users that travel the country and they like to, like to keep track of the superchargers they visited over the time that they've owned a Tesla. Uh, one of them may be Casey Green. Uh, I know that uh, I'm not keeping complete track, uh, but I did start it to formulate in my mind what my number was because they put out the question, who has stopped at the most superchargers and what that number is? So they, uh, in this uh, Tesla Canada article, uh, they, uh, they came up uh, with the winner, get this, having visited 1,600 superchargers. Uh, wow. in the time that they've owned their vehicle. So wow. uh, that is a large amount of, of supercharging, definitely. Now, of course, this these could be the same superchargers. They could be new ones. It's just visits. So yeah. if you uh, if you happen to live in an area where, they're, uh, where you don't have a garage and you supercharge every three days uh, for the seven years you've owned your vehicle, then you're going to rack up uh, some good numbers there. But... Uh, I, as I was saying, I was trying to figure out with my trips, and and I gotta believe that I'm under 80, like uh, for the the four years I've owned my vehicle, uh, and the trips that I had, probably sitting around 80 visits. I would I would say, uh, if not maybe a little bit less. But so I'm uh, that would be my guess. I'm at 460 plugs at 149 different locations. For a total of 10 days, 23 hours, and 17 minutes supercharging at 16.9 megawatt hours consumed. <laughs> you got it all. <laughs> I happen to know my exact number, too, but it's a lot easier. For our Model 3, it has been supercharged once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we wanted to make sure supercharging worked, and it did. We're good. <laughs> and that's it. Has it seen the supercharger since? Yep. Right. My, my average session is 34 minutes, and I would have spent 22.84 and 15 cents had I had to pay. I, I did pay um, an overage because I got stuck in Tesla time, and I didn't hear the the beep from the phone. Oh, idle fees got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got to pay 50 cents. 50 cents, <laughs> idle fee. Not yeah. bad. It, it could have been worse. I met I met a I met a uh, uh, woman from um, Minnesota. At a supercharger once, we got to talking about it, and she mentioned that uh, she went to a uh, Minnesota supercharger, plugged in, and uh, fell asleep. Woke up eight oh. hours later, and she oh, had no. a big bill. <laughs> so, oh, I would man. I would call them on that one. Be like, hey, here's what happened. She I did. Promise I'll she try. did. Okay. And, and they actually waived it for her. Oh, good. First, they said, this is it. This will never happen again. Uh, but they took her explanation and actually waived it. So uh, that was good to hear. Good. I like that layout with uh, me over under uh, you, Casey. That uh, less of the text pops up on me. That's so why I was telling them. Way to have a dummy fourth spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I, I, finally. I, 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 oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> finally, the uh, there was uh, Idra, the company that makes the Gigapresses, uh, started to uh, uh, announce that they were going to be putting on display a nine-ton unit. Yeah. Uh, at their headquarters. They were assembling it and they were going to let the public or potential buyers come by and take a look at this uh, nine ton unit. And of course, the speculation immediately went to is that for the Cybertruck? And uh, they wouldn't answer the question, of course, because they're probably under some NDAs that they're not supposed to mention the name Tesla. But then those inventive people just immediately started to uh, pester Elon and he uh, eventually replied, yep, that's ours. It's coming to us. So uh, Idra is actually assembling it, uh, probably uh, you know just to show people, as well as uh, you know uh, potential sales of the unit uh, for future units. Uh, but they, uh, as part of their, I guess their uh, installation, uh, their their people come and do it, uh, and uh, they will be of course taking it apart, then shipping it in components to Texas. Uh, where it will be assembled and uh, be ready for the castings of the Cybertruck. So this is the biggest unit they've ever been produced. Uh, and in fact, after Tesla started to buy uh, six-ton units from Idra, they had said to Idra, well, how, 
how big can you build them? Because we we want bigger <laughs> vehicles, we want bigger casts, and uh, they pushed Hydra to uh, you know look into a nine ton unit, which they did. Yeah. yeah. So earlier, I thought they said that the one for the Cybertruck was going to be eight thousand ton. So that's why when Hydra said we have this nine thousand ton, there was all this confusion about well, is that for Cybertruck or not? And uh, I know that they're. Um, it's it's in so nine thousand tons. A ton is two thousand pounds. So that's eighteen million pounds. That's wow. just crazy. Yeah, eighteen mega mega pounds. <laughs> mega pounds. Yeah. Mega pounds so, yeah. so, uh, for the gigafactory. <laughs> uh, it wasn't much of a secret when they show you these pictures, and it's in in Tesla Tesla colors. Uh, the the only the only <laughs> other possible chance to that was that uh, all of these Chinese competitors are, are going with, with uh, Giga Castings now as well. Um, VW showed off their, their first uh, Mega Casting and it was a, a rear assembly and I was like, ooh, that's, that's a good start. <laughs> yep, uh, there, there's a number of companies that have taken uh, cues from Tesla and they're starting to move on. Did you hear about the BMW switching to cylindrical batteries? Yes. No. I so that's, that's another from thing. Yeah. So uh, guess who's getting 4680s in the future? Um, I, there's going to be a Probably number. Them, yeah. Yeah. Panasonic's, of course, making them as well. Cattle's going to be making them. LG's going to be making them. So it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, Tesla has, uh, at the beginning, people were laughing at what Tesla was doing yep. with certain things. And uh, now they're following. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a complete switch around. Obviously, Tesla bringing innovation to the industry that others were not afraid to or unable uh, to bring themselves. Yeah, definitely. Well, with that, gentlemen, great show. Um, Patrick, any shout-outs uh, for this evening? Yeah, I, um, I, I want to touch on one more thing. Uh, so Tesla has added a new feature that I think is really cool, and it's, it's small but it's going to make a difference and that is they now have blended braking if you have a full battery and it normally would have been doing regen well i don't you guys have probably experienced this um every once in a while if the battery is cold or if you're fully charged then you let off the accelerator pedal it doesn't slow down it just keeps coasting and that that's um not the way it normally behaves so that inconsistency is a problem. It's not about inconvenience of moving your foot over and touching the brake. That's, that's, that's not it. And if you want to have a mass market vehicle, I think you have to have it consistent. Us early adopters, oh, it's a little different here and there. We talk about it. We know it. It's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. But uh, you want mom and pop, uh, you know, what? It's different, Crash. And, you know... <laughs> So uh, th this, I think, is a great feature, and uh, it's just another example of, of little improvements here and there, thinking things through to the nth degree because you've, you're have you not just like, oh, my God, how do we build an EV and how do we get batteries and, okay, let's throw them in there and ship it. It's, it's no, we're in this refining stage where things get better all the time. Anyway, so that was my shout-out to Tesla. Good job there thinking because this is a feature that I asked for because uh, – um, my wife hated it and she's like, okay, I'm never going to charge to full again because when we leave our house, it's downhill. And if you yeah. leave full, then it's downhill and not regenning. And so, okay, good. We're not going to go to full. I didn't want you to go full anyway. I don't know why you kept sliding <laughs> it over. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, anyway, we won't okay. go there today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I didn't say that. Let's cut that out. I don't want to get in trouble. No, she'll never watch this. I'm fine. saving. <laughs> Saving arguments and marriages, left and right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, this is saving my marriage. Thank you, Tesla. <laughs> I don't know how many other uh, uh, spous spousal feuds that are going to avoid with this feature. <laughs> so, okay, my normal shout-outs. I am with the Oregon Electric Vehicle Association. You can find us at oeva.org, and I blog occasionally at carswithcords.net. Right up there. Yep, there it is. Very good. Very good. Casey, what do you got for us? Well, uh, my daughter and I, we made a, a video with a friend on uh, on a Tesla accessory. I took a I took a first day trip out in the uh, with the FSD Beta 10.11 uh, 10.12.2, and uh, I, I think I'm gonna do a, a members only uh, audio 
like here's what happens while while I'm making these videos. We'll we'll see if the audio actually came out decent. Uh, there'll be a little short video, but I, I might hold that off till the next trip and see how it goes. Uh, and then I've got uh, a bunch of other videos that are on the back burner, uh, waiting on time to actually open up the computer without somebody crying for milk or change of a diaper. <laughs> uh, and you'll find that at youtube.com slash Casey Green, K-A-C-E-Y-G-R-E-E-N. And every Sunday at 1.10 p.m. Eastern, uh, I, I, I get on, on stream and we just kind of roll for a couple hours about what's going on in, in the world of EVs in general. Definitely, you know, the Musk companies, but uh, just more in general. That way uh, we can cover some stuff and uh, people pop in and out and uh, you can catch us there. Very good. Always a great watch. Uh, please subscribe to Casey's channel and uh, visit uh, Patrick at uh, carswithcords.net as he puts up articles here and there about his experience. And I'm sure a spreadsheet is going to show up any day now. Yes. But, yes. I just did one on uh, how much I've saved the solar because a friend asked me and I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. We want to thank Lee Moon for the music we use every week. If you haven't already, please give us a like on this video. Give us a thumbs up. That helps us out. Press the subscribe if you haven't already. That helps us out as well. And uh, join us next week when together we will find out what is happening in the Tesla life. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.